Depending on who you talk to, ransomware seems to be the popular topic of discussion among security vendors. MC's office estimates that ransomware attackers collectively took $25 billion U.S. dollars in 2019. A Barracuda Network's report, on the other hand, said that in 2020, about 51% of enterprises in Asia-Pacific have already had at least one data breach or cybersecurity incident since shifting to a remote networking model. With us today is Chester Wisniewski, Principal Research Scientist from SOFOS, on his take on the overall cybersecurity landscape in Asia-Pacific in 2020 and what it would look like in 2021. Chester, thank you for joining me on Podchats for Future CIO. Thanks for having me on. So let's start off with the SOFOS 2021 threat report. Now, can you summarize perhaps the top three findings of the report? And if you could focus it on Asia Pacific. Sure. Uh, I think, you know, one of the interesting things we're really seeing is sort of a separation now of skill levels of criminals. Uh, In the old days, uh, people largely all copycatted and did the same things and everything was kind of mixed together and there weren't really uh, that much separation, let's say. And in the past year, especially, we've really seen a trend where very highly skilled attackers that have the same kind of skill sets that a penetration tester would use to test your security in a network if they weren't criminals, or even nation states have, have kind of separated themselves out into doing incredibly large dollar value ransom attacks with uh, a lot of human involvement uh, and, and less automation than uh, we've seen in the past. Whereas lower skilled attackers are buying kits, they often don't have the skills to necessarily know how to hack very well themselves, but they're still interested in criminally making money. And so they're buying sort of packaged up uh, attacks that they can execute with Without a lot of knowledge, and the gap between those has grown quite significantly. Uh, you know, on the low end, those criminals often are making maybe a few thousand U.S. dollars when they attack a victim, as opposed to those on the high end now demanding over a million U.S. dollars. So that's been an interesting trend. Another one is in the past, a lot of IT organizations, if they've gotten an alert from their, say, antivirus or endpoint protection software that tells them that they've blocked some sort of everyday type of malware, something that's very very common, right? Uh, right now, for example, that might be uh, TrickBot or Zloader or Emetet. You see thousands and thousands of computers infected with those every day. In the old days, IT teams considered that a handled incident, right? We got an alert, we got a report, and the software said that it was blocked. And so we're good. We don't need to worry about that. We're going to look at other things. And unfortunately, those attacks now uh, are often precursors to more sophisticated attacks that come later. Those criminals that um, are executing those everyday attacks are selling their victims to other criminals who then do much bigger attacks against those victims once they've got access to their computer. And so there's been a really big shift in needing to consider those kind of commodity malware infections to be the beginning of an incident where you start to hunt the attack that's on your network as opposed to considering at the end of the incident because you think it's been blocked. So that's been a real change in mindset that I think a lot of security teams need to get accustomed to. And the third thing that we highlight in the report is increasing use of legitimate tools against us. Uh, And, you know, all of us know that you can buy a kitchen knife and you can chop your vegetables for dinner or you can stab someone with a kitchen knife. It's a dual use tool. We've seen a lot more adoption of legitimate IT administrator tools being used by the criminals to avoid detection. We know if they bring along a malicious tool, it's very highly likely to be detected by security software. But if they can take an administrator's tool and turn it against them, it probably won't be detected because those administrators are using those tools in that environment. So they think things like PowerShell uh, being abused by the criminals or even software distribution software. Like, you you know, if you deploy Microsoft patches with Microsoft SCCM, like many organizations do, if the criminals are in your network, they'll use SCCM 
to deploy the malware when they get on the network because the tool is already there for them to deploy software. So those are kind of the three overarching trends we highlight in the 2021 report. Almost always with predictions, there are things that work and things that don't work, right? So if you can cite top three security predictions that were done in 2020, so this is at the end of 2019, right? That didn't really happen in 2020. Yeah, we try not to make predictions because, of course, if I knew the future, uh, a lot more money for me doing other things, perhaps. But, uh, you know, obviously we had expectations, let's call them, what trends were going to continue and and what kinds of turns things might take. And, you know, some of them were both successful and unsuccessful at the same time. I mean, clearly no one knew COVID was coming, which did, of course, uh, affect the threat landscape quite a bit with regard to lures. The beginning of an attack to get someone to engage with an attacker to potentially open a document or click a link, an attachment, those kinds of things. None of us really saw that would become a more important factor than ever before. It's always been, phishing's always been important as part of a defense strategy, but with everybody working from home, that increased the risk of that. And I don't think we really, um, we didn't really see that coming necessarily. But on the other hand, the basic trends that we were seeing coming out of 2019 did in fact continue and increase in 2020. So especially on the ransomware side of things where we saw the dollar values at the end of 2019 for what we would consider a significant attack to be, say, about a half a million dollars. And we had seen that been increasing dramatically month over month over month throughout 2019. So we kind of predicted in 2020, we're probably going to see some really big ransoms. And in fact, on the high end now, there are more than 20 or 25 times that. Some colleagues I've worked with have seen ransoms of over 30 million US dollars, where the highest we had heard of only a year ago was maybe 600,000 to 1 million US dollars. So the increase in demands from these skilled attackers have gone through the roof. You know, I guess another one we didn't see coming on the predictions front was nation states adopting those those admin tools I was just talking about, right? So by using those admin tools that allows criminals to kind of fly under the radar, well, now we're starting to see nation states adopting those exact same tools to make it very difficult to attribute that it's actually a nation state. So, you know, only two years ago, I guess it was, was the Olympics in uh, South Korea. And we had Operation Olympic Destroyer, which was ultimately attributed to Russia. And the way we were able to determine that it was probably Russia was by analyzing the code of that malware and teasing out details that very specifically kind of had Russian fingerprints all over it. It's getting harder and harder for us to do that. And I I don't think we really predicted that that was going to be something we were going to struggle with in 2020. But I think it is now in that rather than bring along their own malware where we can pick up those fingerprints and figure out who it was, they're now using garden variety administration tools that uh, are already present in the environment, which makes it almost impossible to determine who was behind them manipulating and controlling them. If we look back, what's the single biggest learning that you could pick up for 2020 so far? I've been impressed by the response to COVID, to be honest. It's been very stressful, particularly on IT teams more than the security teams, but they've had to work together very closely, uh, depending on the size of the organization. And I've certainly seen some failures and I've seen some successes, but doing some roundtables, specifically in APJ, I think we've come out of this stronger than we were coming into it. Uh, I I work with our teams in Australia and Hong Kong and uh, Singapore and some other regions in the kind of June and July timeframe to spend some time with our customers and partners. And what I learned from them is by having everybody suddenly having to work from home, they were able to kind of reevaluate their budget and where they were spending their money and resource in order to enable that remote workforce. But instead of just doing more of the same the old way, many of them use it as an opportunity to launch themselves in a new direction that's more secure with, with the way they're deploying those tools. So instead of, for example, buying twice as many VPN servers so that you could have more people be able to VPN into the office, many of those organizations 
transactions in APJ, took that money and started investing it and moving towards zero trust instead. Because with zero trust, they don't need the VPN. And it's a more modern approach to security that gives them more control and more visibility of the risks and threats facing their environment. On the positive side, I think that was really a, a very positive thing that came out of this that, you know, everybody wanted to do it, but they couldn't necessarily get the budget or the time or the resources. And because of this emergency, they were able to move forward their security while also addressing the work from home demands. And so that was good. Uh, on the other side, of course, we've seen criminals uh, have more access to networks because of the very same thing. You know, we had to open up a many remote access technologies and, and deploy remote ability for so many workers, which is a bigger attack surface. And we've seen attackers taking advantage of that by exploiting a lot of vulnerabilities in uh, VPNs, uh, Pulse Secure VPN, Forta VPN. We saw Citrix NetScaler attacks. We've seen a lot of remote access infrastructure attacks, both by nation states and criminals. And we were making good progress on kind of having less of that stuff out there before the pandemic. And then all of a sudden we started putting more of it out there again uh, to accommodate the remote workforce, which unfortunately uh, gave an, a, an opportunity to attackers that we didn't really want to see. I'm going to make one segue and because that's because you mentioned it first, zero trust. Has it taken this long for it to get traction within the CISO uh, frame or, or even the CIO uh, mindset? Yeah, I, th I think it depends on your industry. Uh, certainly those of us that are in high tech, we're already on the journey and hopefully quite a ways along in that journey. You know, I don't know that you ever get to the end of that journey, sadly, because it's just, there's so many legacy things. You're always still trying to bring something new along. But in the tech sector, I think there was pretty high adoption before. But in other sectors, uh, yeah, and I think it has taken this long. I don't think it had a lot of visibility in other areas, um, particularly, well, there's certain areas where they're still too uh, entrenched in the old especially, say, financing and uh, defense, those industries are very cautious about anything ever being on the internet or being openly accessible, right? So they largely have stayed in the past. And in the middle group, I consider to be organizations like, say, manufacturing, where I don't think they were before, but this has opened their eyes to the flexibility uh, of having more access to all of your tools remotely and having so much staff out of the office, uh, where this may be the motivation they needed to put that conversation on the table. I think it was on a wish list before and all of those plans got accelerated instead of something we might do in two years it's something we're hoping to have half done by the end of the end so i think it's mostly accelerated the adoption more than maybe introduced it but everyone's timeline seems to have been moved forward by the telecommuting because of the pandemic from a security angle what can we expect next year 2021 well like anything, most of the trends we're going to see are be continuations of the things we, we have been seeing. But I, I think one thing that we're likely to see is governments coming together and deciding they have to do something about ransomware. And I don't know what that's going to be. Uh, the, I think the U.S. has opened the door for this, where they've now officially said that it's illegal to pay a ransom to a sanctioned organization that's sanctioned by the United States Department of the Treasury. I've not heard of any other countries doing that yet, but I'm wondering if that may be a trend that we're going to see. The amount of money being being stolen and the damage to the victims is really out of control with ransomware. In 2020, it's just been rampant. I think that politicians won't be able to ignore it in 2021. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing, because often politicians don't understand complicated problem like this very well. So we may not necessarily get good results from that. But if the ransoms continue to increase in both sophistication and dollar amounts, it's something that uh, has to be addressed for businesses. Uh, it's a major risk for everyone and it needs to be dealt with. I think on the 
the malware side of things, as far as dealing with our, our own computers one by one in our business and protecting them, uh, we have to move from the idea that we can prevent into understanding that more of our work is going to be detecting and responding. Not everything can be prevented, but the earlier you can detect and respond, the better. And I think uh, IT teams are shifting to that. And we'll see that a much more emphasis on detection and response in 2021. And also um, more specialization on behalf of the criminals. And this has started in the last few months getting a little more intense. And you're at, we're at that tipping point where is it an anomaly or is it a trend? And I think it's a trend that we're going to see continue in 2021 where each criminal specializes in one job and that's all they do. You know, um, we've got groups like Emitat that specialize just in sending malicious emails and getting initial access to a victim. They don't do anything with that victim other than then sell that access to another criminal. Now that criminal might be a ransomware criminal and their specialty might be deploying the ransomware, but they're even looking at subcontracting negotiations of the ransoms and operating the infrastructure to another criminal. And so by getting more hyper-specialized, they're kind of creating a bit of an assembly line of crime. And we've seen this in other areas of cybercrime in the past, and it takes some time in each sector, if you will, to kind of develop that uh, process of segmentation. We saw that with credit card theft maybe 10 or 15 years ago, where different criminals went to the ATM to steal the money than the ones that made the physical cards were different than the ones that stole the cards from the e-commerce website. And we're seeing that same attack chain being built up now, particularly around ransomware. And that could make the ransomware operators much more efficient in 2021 and dramatically increase the number of victims. Because right now there's a lot of manual work involved in these high dollar ransoms, which means each ransomware group may only be able to attack 10 victims in a week. If they get this process down, working with each other and kind of specializing, that could allow a single ransomware operator to double or triple the number of attacks they can conduct in the same period of time, which um, is why I suspect that the politicians are going to decide that they're going to have to do something about these ransoms. Chester, thank you very much for the update on the threat landscape. It's a lot scarier now that I've finished this conversation with you. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> okay. You stay safe and have a great uh, evening, your time. Thank you very much. Good chatting with you. Thanks, Chet. That was Chester Wisniewski, Principal Research Scientist from SOFOS on the overall cybersecurity landscape in Asia Pacific in 2020 and at what it would look like in 2021. You are listening in to Podcasts for Future CIO. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover, please email us at editors at society.com. See you on the next episode of Podcasts for Future CIO. Bye for now.